and welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Elle, and this is episode 23. If you're a new listener, we are excited to have you join us. Be sure to let a friend know that you're listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, and I have two twin girls. This podcast is not just for parents who homeschool their children, because I am a homeschool parent, but it is also for parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly. Please remember to subscribe and share. And this podcast is available everywhere podcasts are played. So you can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a lot of different places. So be sure to tell a friend that you've been listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Today's African proverb is, if you close your eyes to facts, you will learn through accidents. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is kuumba. It means creativity in Swahili. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are excited today because for the grown folks section, we have a homeschool graduate talking to us today. His name is Sly the Deuce. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Can you all see and hear me okay? Yes, yes sir. Excellent, excellent. Again, thank you. Thank you both for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I am a graduate of homeschool, which really means that my mom is the real MVP, right? If she put up with me all that time. So um, I have a, a huge love for it, a huge passion for it. Um, I've definitely gone on to do some, some amazing things, but uh, I don't know if I would have honestly been able to do them in the normal um, schooling track. So if we talk about that a little bit, um, I'm definitely more than willing to uh, open that can of worms with you all and see where the conversation goes. Um, <laughs> I just finished writing a book recently, and I also have written a uh, little ebook for a you know creative guy, sort of unlocking some of that creativity that I know um, many many members of our community have. So once again, it's so so great to be here, and, and thank you all for the opportunity. Okay, thank yeah. you. So I am L. This yes. is Miriam. So. A little bit about our show is that we are a homeschool podcast, but it's not just for homeschoolers. It's for any parent who wants to supplement their child's education. And so with this interview, we want families to understand that there are benefits to homeschooling, but it's not the only way. Sure so when you, as you share our, your story with us, we want to help empower parents so that they can empower their kids. The fact that you are an author, you are a creative person, you are a musician, you are a homeschool student is just a testament that parents, the way that they interact with their kids is so important yeah. and it can help change their trajectory of their lives. And so our first question for you is, what are some of the greatest strengths that you learned while you were homeschooled? While I was homeschooled, I definitely feel like it taught me time management as a, as a youngster. I think that when I got to college, I realized like, oh wait, this is just time management all day, every day. But I've kind of seen this before because when you have self-paced study, um, it's interesting because you, you're excited about working or reading or learning or creating, but you realize like, 
but I've only got so much time in the day to read, or I've only got so much time for my science project. And so you start learning how to um, structure your time and, and make time for the right things. So, I mean, there was definitely a lot of lessons and, and just wanted to go back. I loved what you said about uh, empowering both sides. I was, I was not homeschooled exclusively, so I definitely know what it's like to, you know, go to a charter school, go to a, like I said, went to university. So there's definitely strengths in, in both sides. Um, but I think that most I learned um, time management because, you know, it's, it's kind of you sometimes. There's really not like a whole sea of faces you could just follow in the lunchroom like, oh, I guess class is starting. You know, you have to kind of really be on top of it yourself. Yeah. Well, how long were you homeschooled since you did a mix of traditional school and homeschool? Or should so, I say years? Elementary school, let's see, first and second, I was at a public school. Uh, third and fourth, I went to a charter school, fifth, sixth, seventh, homeschooled. Um, eighth grade, homeschooled. Ninth grade, charter schooled. 10th grade, charter school, 11th grade, 12th grade, homeschooled. Oh. Wow. So when you were going back and forth, was this your choice or did mom and dad say, all right, you got to go? <laughs> uh, uh, both. So they were never putting me out, should I say. But um, <laughs> there were times where, you know, the different schools, they would fit and sometimes they didn't. And so it was always like a, you're never going to be forced into a schooling system if it doesn't work truly for your learning style. It's not like, oh, I don't like the teacher, bring me back home. But if your, your <laughs> learning style is truly not allowing you to tap into your full potential, we won't, you know, force that upon you. But at the same time, there's no reason, you know, that you can't be out me meeting with like-minded folks. Um, and a lot of times I would be say registered with the local schools like the local middle school or the local high school so i would still be a part of spark uh, still be a part of the sports teams and things like that so i still was a member of the community um so that allowed for easier transitions as well oh that's awesome indeed do yeah. they allow us to do that so <laughs> So we are in Maryland. For people who are listening all over the nation, we are in Maryland. And in Maryland, they don't currently allow for parents who homeschool to also keep their kids in traditional sports classes right. with the public school. They just don't allow right. that. Now, if you, if you have a special relationship with a private school, that's something that you could probably work out, but not with the public school system. So that's so, what's a little different here. Go ahead and holler at your boys and club, boys and girls club, your local Y or something. And you know, Shout out the boys and girls club. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the people here, there's a lot of community centers right. that Lots. they have here and they're usually connected with the schools. So we okay. can sign up for community center programs and our tax dollars help make those programs very affordable and very cheap. So that's how we get to supplement our kids education. So it's not completely free like a public school. Right sort of sports system so you would pay to participate and it's open to all different types of families wow. not just the ones in the public school yeah they have actually pretty good programs I they, mean, do. they do yeah <laughs> my youngest daughter is going to be starting ice skating this evening and then i think next week or the week after sewing for my oldest so hey hey Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so we try to Good utilize stuff. them, but it's not quite the same as, you know, right. public school. So it, it won't all be the same kids. It'll be based on where you live mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, what school you attend. You attend. Awesome. So our next question is, you sometimes um, refer to yourself on your site. I visited your site as mm -hmm. a nerd. And I know that that term, for some kids, it can be, you know, a positive term in some families, but for some, it may be a term that they kind of shy away from. So in your position, you were definitely using it in a positive um, aspect. And so I want you to kind of describe why you feel like nerd, you've kind of redefined that word for yourself. And yeah. can you kind of share why you've done that? Uh, well, to your, to your point, I think that it's about um, 
the perception of the word. I think that I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan, right? And I mean, the the Hulk, Bruce Banner is a serious geek. Like the, they're, they're very, and I mean that in extremely intelligent and okay with that. I think that um, coming up where I came up and how I came up, it was very easy to have your clothing um, or your parents' vehicle be the source of pride, right? You're young. I got the new dunks. You don't have the dunks. Or you're, you're, you're wearing shacks? You know, that was sort of how it, it was coming up. And so I got called Steve Urkel a lot, right? And I would just say, like, yeah, but that guy's on TV, right? Like, who doesn't <laughs> want to be somebody on primetime TV, you know? And so just trying to take um, every situation and, and make the, the most of it. And again, I can't say that I was always this seasoned adult before you now. So my mom was a huge, huge part of that, you know, and she would say um, things like that, that I'm saying to you now, right? Like, aren't some of the, aren't some of your comic book heroes like really, really smart? And like, isn't that what makes them so cool, you know? Right. Or she would show me, um, you know, people in magazines and things like that. Um, and she would, you know, express to me like, you know, this is the result of studying, or this is the result of being really smart. You know, look, you can you can have a a, a Maserati or or a Porsche if you want, you know, but that man's a lawyer, and you got to be really smart to be a lawyer. And so she would, you know, talk to me like that as a youth, and and it really just gave me something to um to hold on to. To to be honest, again, as a as a young person, it's very easy to feel vulnerable and feel like you know where do I fit in? And I think that um, when you don't just find happiness and positivity in what you got, then you can kind of start chasing some things that aren't, you know, that aren't really you. Um, and so it's important to never, never dim that light, I would say, because even in, and I'm not in any way proposing that a bunch of kids go download a bunch of gangster movies, but I'm saying that you know how even in the, 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 the street movies that they would glorify, Nino Brown wasn't no dummy. You know, you had to be very intelligent to make it to the top of whatever you're going to do. And so um, I just really want to to hone in on that message and, and not shy away from it as well. I think that it's something that kind of gets tucked under the rug or again, people, they are very intelligent, but then they express it as like, oh, well, now I'm well paid. Oh, well, now I'm well dressed. Now I'm, you know, taken care of in that kind of regard. And I really, really want to celebrate the people that are, you know, holding it down in the library. <laughs> I love what you just said, though. Hold it down. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you, you touched on something that I think a lot of homeschoolers often face, and that's, you know, awkwardness. Yeah. Because I think one thing that people who don't homeschool, they often are afraid of homeschooling because with homeschoolers, there's an awkwardness that's sometimes associated with it. Mm -hmm. And I love how you, your, you say your mom really taught you to embrace your, your differences. And that isn't always celebrated in a public school setting. Because sometimes it can be, you know, I want everybody to kind of be different versions of each other. And that's what makes you popular, right. you know? And so I think by you owning that, and celebrating yourself and, you know, your intelligence. Yeah, you're right. People that are out there, you know, doing their business, they, you know, what some people would call hustlers, they're out there, they're doing their business, they're entrepreneurs, they have some business skills and business mind um, concepts that are in their mind that, you know, they didn't have to learn at Stanford. Right. It's not that hard. It's innate within them. It's an right. innate skill that they possess. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to recognize that and say, hey, I recognize these are my, my skills, and but I'm going to choose to do this versus I feel like I only have one option and I have to do this. Because a lot of times the people are very intelligent and they know that they're intelligent, but mm -hmm. they feel like they don't have options. And yeah. so it sounds like your parents gave you the wherewithal that you have options. Yeah, it was it was definitely a blessing. And you you touched on something that was, I think, very powerful when you spoke about trying to be different versions of ourselves or of, of the same person. And I realized young. I'm socially awkward. I tell people that now. I'm like, I'm, I'm so socially awkward. And they, they say like, you, you know, you seem so gregarious. And I say, but you have to understand there's so many times when a conversation will come up and somebody will say, 
you know, oh, ghost died. And I'm like, who's ghost? And they're like, <laughs> you don't know who ghost is? You know, and all of a sudden you're not cool. I still do with that to this day, but being able to just say, no, I don't. But I mean, he seems like a very exciting character. Yeah. You don't tell me about him. That's not my thing. With the punches right. and not tuck my tail and go, I don't have stars. And now I'm sad and crushed and broken. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of times when you realize, and this isn't a judgment, but I realize with homeschoolers and, and some of the folks that I met transitioning through school like I did, there is a lot of social thought, group think, where mm -hmm. it's not really individual thought. It's like if you're not tuned into mainstream sports, you're kind of out of the club. And that's not a negative to be in any way, you know, in, into sports or engaged in sports, but it did allow for me to have a deeper understanding, I think, of, of myself. And then my actual friendships, I think, are deeper and based more on who we are as people as opposed to we all just happen to see the same primetime TV show last night. It's the talk of the town. And, and our friendships kind of just grow that way. Um, I think that it's allowed for some deeper and more meaningful relationships, in, in my opinion. Right. That makes perfect sense. Because when you, I guess, jumping back to the whole nerd thing and embracing yourself and your intelligence and not being ashamed of it or trying to um, dumb down to make someone else feel comfortable or to make someone else want to be in your presence, it just gives encouragement, you know, for a lot of the younger people to see folk like yourself that are in the position of making it and um, being socially accepted, even yeah. though they may not be up on the latest TV shows and all the rest of that kind of thing, because it's not, I mean, it's not that important. It's not really <laughs> important. You know, and I'm not gonna lie, I know who Ghost is because my husband loves the show. But um and he gets he'll say to me, Oh, you don't wanna watch this? And I'm like, I don't really care. I know what's going on because you're watching it, but would I choose to watch it? No, I'd rather sit here and read this book. There you go. But, there you you go. Know, and, and it all goes back to just being comfortable enough with yourself and your own likes and dislikes and yes. and embracing that and keeping it close. You know, that no one can make you feel ashamed of exactly. Exactly. what it is that you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. And it doesn't make, you know, you any less of a socialite or anything like that. No, not at all. Great question. Great question. I don't I don't do it at all. <laughs> but I, but I love how you you talk about socially being socially awkward. But it's not a bad thing. Like you can be socially awkward, and that can be okay because that's you. Mm -hmm. So being different, being unique, yeah. is totally okay. And I think sometimes when people worry about their kid, they're that's what they're worried about. They're, they're worried not about okay. their child not being accepted for who they are. Right. Yeah. Not embracing they, their as a parent, may not have they may not be comfortable to embrace their own individuality, and they're kind of pushing that on their children. I'm not saying that if you don't want to homeschool your children, that is your problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think for a lot of people whose main who um, mentioned socially, often. yeah, their main descent on homeschooling is what about socialization and what about being weird and all that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> everybody's weird in their own way. Let's right. be for real. There is uh, no normal. Right. I've got a song called Ear Hole. Um, mm -hmm. And I say uh, that same very thing. You know, they say, you know that you weird, bro? I say, yes, I'm a certified weirdo. I'm probably somebody <laughs> that you shouldn't be near, though, unless you're trying to let me inside of your ear hole. Because, like, you know, if you're hanging around with me, this ain't gonna be no, let's just talk about what you saw on TV last night. I might mess around and ask you something like, so what's your greatest fear, bud? You know, we might end up having a real conversation, you know? And so it's just about, again, owning that and, and, and taking that. And I really would say the, the weirdness and the awkwardness turns into creativity. It turns into vision. It turns into 
you know, that time to really, really let your imagination blossom. And when you can see the adult side of it, everybody, not everybody, I don't say everybody, but a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, wow, look at, look at that guy. Or look at, look at these two hosts. They're doing it full time. It's so amazing. How did they ever, well, it took, it was years ago, seeds of self-confidence, seeds of the willingness to be alone with your own thoughts. And every time you're alone, it doesn't mean someone's ostracizing me. Or every time you make a decision to be at home studying, it doesn't mean, man, think of all the parties I didn't get invited to, right? So when you take ownership of it, then you can say, think of all the parties that I turned down tonight, right? Like I have to read. I have something to do tonight. There's the Oscars are on tonight and I'm not even watching them. <laughs> you know, you can have your own swag with it if you want. Right. Right. <laughs> that is a perfect segue for our next question, which is how did homeschooling nurture your create your creative process? So you just, you know, did a little freestyle of your, um, you know, you're a musician and you rap. So, you know, how did you even recognize that you have that gift? Did you recognize it while you were homeschooling? Now, that's interesting. I actually started making music as a defense mechanism. Um, I was overweight. I had glasses. I had asthma. And again, I wasn't in the socialization swing of everything. So I would just be the kid who pops up on the neighborhood team, you know, pops up at the swim meet. Um, somehow he's at all the events, but we never see him in school. So there was sort of a weird, you know, paradigm that I had as a kid in the community. And um, I would get made fun of a lot, you know, teased, things like that, um, especially for my intelligence, right? And so once I started to I really would sit and like calculate jokes because then they really messed up. And so I started trying to figure out how I could be wittier than, you know, the next kid. And just being a little kid, you know, it's easier to remember something if it rhymes. And so if you tell a rhyme on the schoolyard, uh, it gets extra laughs, right, which is extra points. And so that naturally, I think, just evolved into my young teen years is, you know, battle rap. We would start, you know, joshing on each other, playing the dozens with rhymes over the table, blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, wow, you're really good. Um, and some of my teachers took interest. And so my first public performance was actually for the mayor. It was for Martin Luther King Day. And so we had a Martin Luther King Day rap. And so my teacher really tried to drive home, you know, you know, you can take this art form and it doesn't have to be used to tear down, you know, your brother. Um, and so that was a really, really powerful. Once I realized like, because I definitely could tear them down, you know, once I realized like, wow, I can use this same power to like, to like build someone up and they may not even notice, you know, um, but, but I can, I can plant some positive seeds in there. And then, like I said, my first performance, I was 14 and I was at a, a college university. So, you know, that, that stage and that level was like, oh my God, it was, it was just, a, you know, it was a big deal. And I thought I, I definitely want to, want to keep doing this. Awesome. It sounds like you're so wise, <laughs> you know, because you do a lot of deep thinking. Yeah. There's a, a depth of thought that you don't often find in people. And it sounds like, you know, the fact that you were young and you were like, well, I don't have to tear down people. I can uplift them. Like that is just wisdom. You know, there's yeah. really no other way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So my mother did childcare growing up and the name of her childcare was, um, the golden rule family daycare, right? I would treat your family like I would treat mine. And so um, a lot of that wisdom, again, comes from her and my father. And, and I, again, I had experienced, unfortunately, what it's like to be torn down. So yes, I had built this little fortress for myself, but then I started to realize it wasn't just a shield, it was starting to become a sword. You know, I was starting to now become the bully and I knew full well I didn't enjoy those feelings and I didn't want to share those feelings. You know, I didn't want to be putting those feelings on others, especially because people think bullies are dumb. I couldn't have that. <laughs> I, I love that you use your adversity into strengthening your gift. You know, I think just the dichotomy of those two things is just brilliant. It's like, but how many people understand that they possess that within themselves? Not it too takes, many people. Yeah, it takes a lot. I can't lie. I was telling just the other week about how um, we were in summer camp in grade school and we was all joining on each other. And I said something really mean to this one young man. And I ain't gonna lie, it was mean. And I knew it was mean when I said it. <laughs> but he was crying and I kind of got reprimanded. 
I'm a little bit of a rebel and I really didn't care. But yeah. after seeing <laughs> um, I have authority issues. So um I um you know I did end up apologizing because I could see he was really, really hurt. Yeah. I felt bad that I, and I realized in that incident, you know, just how much power my voice and my words have. And I don't think I ever played, you know, <laughs> dozens and Jonan on anybody quite as hard yeah. <laughs> as I did that day yeah. because I could see the ramifications. The, yeah, the effect. Yeah. And I could tell he was really, I was like, mm, I'm sorry. You that boy. I did. I did. And it was, what I said was completely unnecessary. I'm not going to <laughs> share. But, it, you know, I think that for those who pay attention, you know, who are more observant, that they recognize more of the impact that they have on people and the world and, you know, just the ripple effect that moves. Yes. Because yes. it's real. <laughs> a lot of people don't think that the whole energy concept is a real concept, but it is. It's so real. I mean, it, it's it's so real, it's so real, as my friend would say. Mm. I like that. I like that too. So our next question is, what did you study when you were in college? Because you, you said you graduated um, 12th grade from homeschool. And I know a lot of homeschool parents We've done two episodes on the transition from homeschool to college because some people don't even see that as a possibility because mm -hmm. you often don't get a diploma. Mm. But it sounds like, you know, you took your knowledge and you were able to get into a traditional university. Can you kind of just share a little bit how that transition was for you and what you ended up studying? Yeah, so the way that we got around that, if anybody's interested, again, we use some very creative techniques. So I was already done with my coursework um, for 12th grade, and then second semester of 12th grade, literally just enough to say I signed up, I registered at like a local school and graduated. So I was able to get a you know prestigious high school in the area. I was able to show I had attended classes. I had to take, you know, English and math, whatever the core classes, I had to take them again. But I just took college prep level. And so that entire time we were just preparing for um, the college entrance and things like that. So to answer your question, what did I study? So I originally studied psychology and then I figured out that psychology with a paycheck is called marketing. So I transferred over <laughs> to marketing. What did you say? <laughs> I like that. I like that. See, deep thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like it. Absolutely. So I did, I did true, a though. dual major marketing and, and management with a focus on, um, um, sorry, with a minor in philosophy. Oh, interesting. Ooh. I definitely just in talking to you, I think that so fits, you know, I definitely don't know you all that well, but just from the conversation that we hear today, I could see it. I could see it all. <laughs> yes, it makes perfect sense. I see how we're weaving together the quilt here because it's, it's very um, sensible because it's, indeed, that is how marketing works. They play on the the thought person. processes yeah. that your average human has. You know, right. we're all about the ethos. So how can we play on these emotions to get a specific response out of you? So I actually and took it defensively. It's, it's funny you say that because I specifically took it so that I could guard against it, so that I could know when I'm being marketed to, so that I could share with my community. I could share, hey, this is just you know, the Hegelian dialectic or whatever. And they say, what's that mean? I said, they playing you. It ain't, it ain't mm -hmm. nobody hype. You know, it's not what it looks like. And so at the same time, it can empower me as well. You know, I've learned public relations. I've learned how to put together professional media kits. And I've learned how to conduct myself in, in business areas and things like that. But my original cause was to be, you know, to be mindful and cautious, um, like, you know, because we got, as a community, we got a lot of dollars that seems to find its way out at an alarming rate and so i wanted to kind of figure out how i could reverse engineer that and, and help the community 
I think yes, that's the I have question. had that happen though when I started mm-hmm. taking the certain classes in college and I was like oh but wait say what <laughs> and, and I mean it has completely changed and I know when somebody is okay, trying to get in my pocket right and I'm giving you the side eye because <laughs> you're not getting nothing here it's and it's unfortunate for them that, you know, I know, but at the same time, you know, I, you got to... But your children will greatly benefit from your knowledge yeah, you and your You got to look out for yourself sometimes because you shoot, do all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, 100% of the time. You got to look out for yourself yeah. all the time because far too often folk in the community are not. They looking out for themselves too. And I mean, we all got to live. We all got to scratch a living or not scratch, you know. <laughs> we all got to make it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is the perfect way to talk about, you know, how you paid your way through college. Oh, yeah. While, you know, after being homeschooled and how you made enough money so that you wouldn't be a broke college student that had tons of debt. Because yeah, that is that debt is a bear. <laughs> Especially for, for, for children of color. Yes. Um, you know, and minorities, often we do get into college. You know, as Black women, we are really running them college campuses. Like, Black women are the most educated group in America, but as a Black male, to get into college and pay your way through, that is definitely commendable. And it's something that really stood out to me um, within your bio. So if you could kind of share a little bit about that, that would be awesome. So first day of college, this is what I did. I stood outside the lunchroom from morning until night. And I introduced myself to every single person that's walked by. That's right. I didn't go to class the first day, but I went every single day after that. (laughs) <laughs> but the first day, I just stood in the lunchroom and I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Sly. And people would say, you know, do I know you? I said, not yet, but you will. And I did that all day long, literally from sunup to sundown. And then I had primed the entire campus at that point. So then any time I was doing a party, any time I was doing an event, even if you didn't know why, you had heard my name. And I was using, again, the psychology of we're all out here and don't really know anything, but for some reason we all know Sly. So I became the galvanizing factor on the campus, right? Love me, hate me, never heard of me, never saw me in person, you know my name, and even if that's why you don't know what, you know, you're talking to the next person, who is this Sly guy? I don't know. And then the two of you become (laughs) friends. So there was a lot of times when I would use, again, the psychology to my benefit. I also um, worked very, very closely with the faculty. I felt like they were the ones that we were here to impress. I was not here to impress any of my contemporaries. You all are out here trying to learn just like I am. But mm-hmm. I definitely need to know the the faculty. So now, right, I've written my book and I, I actually just had a meeting with my business professor last month, right, where helping me get in touch with the bookstore and getting my my product on the shelves and things like that. So again, just I think my vision was always to graduate. And so I, I always approached it like, I'm only here to get out. And, and Fannie Mae don't be playing, bro. She gonna want all them decades. She gonna want all them pennies. So you gotta study like you gotta get your money back. And, and college is charging you like you study hard. There's no C student discount. There's no B minus discount. So they're charging you like you at the library. They're charging you like you're using the gym. They're charging you like you are using all the resources available to you. You should use all the resources available to you. And that was my mindset and my mind state um, on the academic side of it. And then I worked tirelessly, again, with the psychology to make it look easy, right? I did not present myself as the, I'm always in the library nobody ever knows me. I tried to be very sociable, but in practical ways. So I was president of the Black Student Alliance. That put me in contact with a lot of what was going on. I was aware of the parties. I was aware of, you know, who was kind of doing what on campus. I would kind of get the first calls and have my my thumb on the pulse. Um, Like I said, I was close with the faculty, intramural sports. I'm an announcer type. So I would be there and I would be talking, you know, I would be involved with the team and things like that. I was a part of the uh, the marketing department for 
the college campus. So if you would come on the campus, you know, they would give you the welcome to blah, blah, blah university. And I, my face was on the sunglasses. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that makes the school look exciting. So I was just using things like that to be able to penetrate the market. So that way I could say to somebody, I really wouldn't even know them, but I would say like, you know me, I'm, I'm the guy on the sunglasses. And they would go, oh my God, you are like, you're that guy. And so <laughs> I wasn't nobody. I, I was, I wasn't nobody, but I was marketing my behind off. <laughs> and so that led to more and more opportunities, you know, working um, some jobs in the local area and things like that. And, you know, work study program, if, if anybody's definitely in school, you've got to, you got to get a hold of some work study program in your life. Yeah, I, did um, I did that. And I, <laughs> I tried every time I could to get a shift in the library. I mean, that was a double paycheck. You're oh. getting paid to be in the library. Oh my goodness. You got to do that. You got to do that. that was smart. Um, Indeed. So those were some of the ways that I, I, I finagled my, my way through that. So I just I just want to bring out three tips that you just said that I think are key that I wish I had known when I was in college. And did because I'm so antisocial. <laughs> I wish I like I would be standing out the door talking about something. Hey y'all, I'm Merrim. No, it was like I, one day, just be be as social as you can possibly imagine for one day, and you never had to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. I was just but mm -mm, because to get your me. money's worth in college, you have to network. College is sure. really about yes. networking, getting to know people, because those are going to be the next leaders in businesses. Those yes. are going to be the people who say, hey, oh, I went to school with somebody that did X, Y, mm -hmm. and Z. That, oh, I, I think they would be a good person for that. And so to know that, so young, <laughs> phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. And you, you said something else. It was, um, so the first thing was networking. The second thing was get to know your professors like brilliant now that's yeah. important. <laughs> it, it's brilliant because those are the people giving you your grades and, yes. and uh, i always <laughs> i learned at a young age where there's a will there's an a mm. so what that simply means is you could be doing the work you know and you may not even be the best student but if you show that you are all in that you have great intentions that you've been studying mm -hmm. that you're interested yes where there's a will there's an a so you Indeed. can total your professor your papers may not all be 100 yep. but when they see that you put in all that effort oh there's an a for effort like i, mean, I don't mean you're not doing everything i mean you're definitely putting in the work but you're also getting something out of it and people often reward people for that and i'm not yes. saying people just are handing out grades that you don't deserve mm -hmm. but you're showing that you deserve it yeah. because you're all that you're and you've gotten to know them because many professors are you know passionate about what they do that's their feel and they yeah. want to be interested too right. and they could be the most boring professor ever but if you show that you're interested in them They'll be like, oh, they'll just be thank loving you, you and you. thinking you're awesome. Yeah. So that is a tip that I don't know how you knew that, how you learned that, but that is golden. That is just simply golden. So being in your feelings about, oh, I don't like that person. That's not the way to be in college. And so um, getting to you know, like, it just, it frankly just doesn't matter. I was just talking on a video the other day. Um, on the on the, the one of my creative energy stories, and I was saying that I don't want to compare prison to college, but they're institutions, and there's definitely folks that are in charge. I mean, they don't listen. Right. All that rah rah and that new jacket you just bought, don't let it. She got tenure, you don't, right? <laughs> so that she real OG with it. So you you need to be figuring out how to get her to like you. Because you're not hurting nobody but your pockets if you, you know, don't go to class or finish with an incomplete or I didn't even do her paper. You're not hurting nobody but yourself, love. Right. And so right. once I learned that, and, and you touched on it perfectly, um, they're people. You know, if you came to class every day, you put together a lesson plan and folks are yawning in your face or going to sleep or texting. And, you know, I thought about it just like a person. And I think homeschool really helped with that as well because I got to see my educator as someone that I really know and like love you know like this is a real person who day to day they may have had to leave their own kids this morning to come in here and teach me you know how am I responding they've made a life choice to do this 
am I validating that decision or am I making them regret their lives? And just that kind of stuff, you know, chatting with them, asking them, how's your kid? Or, you know, your kid plays soccer, right? Little stuff like that, you know. Um, it, it really takes off. And again, they're not giving away grades. There was nothing, um, you know, underhanded happening, but you can foster some really good relationships and then they can in turn say, hey, you should read this book or, you know, check this out. Here's a resource. And then that can help accelerate your learning. Mm -hmm. Oh, we could talk to you all day. So we, we have two more questions for you. Okay. One question is, you've already mentioned your book. Can you, um, you know, like if you want to share something extra about it, but let people know how they can purchase it. We'll definitely leave a link in the show notes, but I want you to um, just let us know a little bit about the book and where people can purchase it. Excellent. So the book is called Millions Now and Later. Learn, million, learn money now like millions won't. Earn money later like millions want. And so it's targeted for uh, young adults, which in the, the book market is actually 13 to about 15. Um, I know all the mothers in the room is, that ain't no young adult. But like, they're trying to get the information <laughs> yes, in so that they can ingest it and understand it by the time that they, that they need it, right? Um, and so it's very short, very easy to read. It's about 100 pages, five chapters. You say something like financial literacy, and you can literally watch the young eyes glaze over. So again, my message is, let's get money. That's a, a message that I think they hear all the time. It resonates. But, but the thing that makes it more positive is I'm not talking about just stacking money. I'm not talking about just acquiring it. I'm saying let's comprehend it. Let's really get money. Let's understand money. Um, let's leverage money, right? So that way we can run up a check, take care of our families and so on and so forth. So they can, and you all as well, will get a free chapter if you go to millionsnowandlater.com. That's and spelled out millionsnowandlater.com. Um, they'll get the first chapter, which is MVP. That's the map, the vehicle, and the path. And I would say that's the crux of the book. I mean, you absolutely still want to get the entire book, but I'm not holding back. I'm not going to give you a fluff piece and then say you got to buy the whole thing to get some value. So in a nutshell, I'm talking about you've got to identify where you're actually trying to get, right? Get a map in your mind. Where are you actually trying to get to? And then you upgrade your vehicle along the way. That's your knowledge. That's your financial acumen. That's your wisdom. You level that up. You start on foot if you have to. And then you get a bike, right? And then you get a Maserati, you, you know, baby steps. And then the path is how are you going to actually get there? It's very easy to sit there and have a vision in your mind and imagine what you would do. But when it's actually time to put your feet on the path, that, that's just as important. And so in that first chapter, they're going to get uh, you know, walk through on breaking down some of their goals and some easy steps for how to really, you know, get it out of their head and down on paper. Um, and again, that that's at millionsnowandlater.com. So thank you so much for asking. That was a great question. Oh, terrific. I definitely, I'm sold by your elevator pitch for your book. <laughs> so listeners, please support Sly. I think it's brilliant that you are sharing financial literacy with the younger generation because they need it. The only <laughs> the only thing that I kind of felt like my family should have provided me more um, wholesome tips on was finances. Yeah. I actually, if you visited the my blog, I talk about how I paid off my student loans. Financial literacy is a big part of who I am and what I do. Um, I'm able to be a stay-at-home mom and do the things I love because I know how to manage my money. And so the fact that, you know, you are sharing that with a younger generation so they don't make the same mistakes that other people are making, to me, is it's an act of service and it's brilliant. So I, I appreciate that. And yeah, there's people waiting on them. You know, you turn 18 and all of a sudden... You're pre-approved yeah. for every credit card you never heard of, you know? Oh, right. And they literally, right. I mean, they're looking at your door to offer you financing and X, Y, and Z. And again, with, with college, um, I, I had some student loans, right? But with the understanding of I'm using this specifically so that I can let, I'm going to run up this knowledge and I'm going to have access to a job that's going to allow me to pay this back. So I never like forgot it's not it's never free money one of the chapters in my book is actually called free money and then the next chapter is called you thought so i definitely am again just trying to prime them before it happens it's not too deep it's not a how-to i specifically say that it's not a how-to i'm not a guru i'm not promising you 
If you read my book, you'll become a millionaire. That would be deceptive. It's just planting some seeds again to help with that trajectory, just getting you aware, hey, credit is not a bad word if you know how to leverage it. Um, you know, debt is not, doesn't have to be the swamp thing if you're aware of it ahead of time. It's once you're drowning in debt and you don't have any options, that money can become a very uncomfortable topic. So again, it's just for them uh, to, to plant the seed to where when something happens, they can say, wait a minute, I've heard of this somewhere. I've, I've seen this before. Um, and that, that's exactly what I, I had in mind when I, when I put it out. I love, I love that you just mentioned that because in certain communities, so many people are willing to take out a loan for a car, but they won't take out a loan for their education. Our business, our <laughs> business, our <laughs> land, our land, or our house, an actual asset, <laughs> or anything that will appreciate in value. Right. The thing about your education is it will help you're investing in yourself. Yes. And what yes. is the greatest? There's nothing more greater than investing in yourself. And so I love that you were like, yeah, I, you know, I was willing to take out some loans because that you are investing in you. And so, so I love that you even mentioned that because there are certain, certain people in the communities who are like, I'm not taking, like, they're afraid of it. Mm, and, yeah. and sometimes they will shy away from that and then they'll go and use that money the loan money to get a car or something like that. And it's like the moment you drive off the lot, that car is going to start depreciating, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, it's not for everybody, but if you use it, like it sounds like you are, you're, you're utilizing it and you're morphing what you learn to help you and help propel you in the future. And so that's just brilliant. I mean, it took some learning, right? I'm not, I'm not, I was not as smart as, you know, I'm always smarter today than I was yesterday, right? And so there, my first let, my first real indicator I had to get something together, which is I'm sure we've all been there. I was broke, 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 like big broke, yeah. right? I'm talking about wearing long sleeve track outfits in June so y'all don't see how ashy I am because I can't even afford no lotion. I'm talking about broke, broke. I said, I can't live like this. I can't, I can't live like this, you know? And so it's little stuff where you start thinking, man, if I'm going to spend $5 on Doritos and then spend $5 going to the gym to burn it off, ain't I just wasting $5? You know, so just having little bitty thoughts like that. It wasn't some large grand Pershing Square capital uh, epiphany that came to me. It was just little by little how can I get less and less broke and then, you know, start getting proactive with some of that stuff. That Sam's Club card is gold, I'm going to tell y'all right now. If you're in college, you need to get you a Sam's Club card or high school and have all your homies pitch and you be the snack dude, you be the toilet paper dude, you be the laundry detergent dude. My house was jumping <laughs> for them domesticated goods. You know what I'm talking about? But uh, you got to be creative. You got to be practical. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely just don't want to put it out there. Like I was just walking in brilliance every day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a journey. Yes. Yes. It's a journey. So you've just shared so many nuggets with us. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you and, and follow you so that they can support you. Well, thank you so much. Um, they can follow me on Instagram is motivated. Mr. That's Mr. Spelled out in my S T R no underscores, no spaces, no dashes, anything like that. Um, everywhere else, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, you all were kind enough to mention the, the backstory. I do um, a backstory where people can get to know a little bit more about me um, in a personal sense. And all of those are Sly the Deuce. That's S-L-Y space T-H-A space D-E-U-C-E. Um, and a lot of times people ask, you know, what's that mean? What's it about? I think it's a weird name if you don't quite understand what it means. So I'm the first generation um, <clears throat> to, to go to college. My dad is actually from Michigan and he moved when he was 19. He moved away. He was living in an environment in the area. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what life had next, but he knew what he didn't want for his kids. And so he moved away and um, you know, married my mom and then had me and my, my younger sisters. And so his name is Sylvester as well. And so when I say slide the deuce, I mean that obviously I'm going in a different path than my dad, he, you know, cause he's worked hard to give me some opportunities and things that he didn't have. But the same idea of 
I don't know necessarily what's ahead, but I'm going full force because the family that I don't even have yet is worth it. That's my entire message. That's my entire um, uh, thesis, I guess, is, is a good term for it. And so my name is Sly the Deuce. I'm really just a, a double or a you know new and improved version of that same mindset and that same um, same belief system. And so that's that's what the name means. And so again, you can find me easily online, S-L-Y space T-H-A space D-E-U-C-E. Awesome. We will Wonderful. leave all of that information in the show notes yes. for everybody. And I love how you're paying homage to your dad and your family and building a legacy for yourself. So much success to you. Thank you. So I'm going to be sharing this episode as well with all of my um, fans and followers and things like that. So where else can they find you all? What platforms is this going to be made available on? Oh, well, we have the cleverlychanging.com. Um, click on podcast yes. and you'll get into the podcast area okay. and there's also cleverly changing on instagram and facebook yes on twitter. Oh, and twitter <laughs> <laughs> so on twitter is cleverly changing too about but it doesn't have the g on the end so it's okay. c-l-e-v-e-r-l-y-c-h-a-n-g-i-n on twitter but Everywhere, YouTube, everywhere, we are cleverly changing. So um, we appreciate new followers and just people who are engaged in thoughtful um, conversation. That's what we are doing here. And we have to uplift our community. And we can only do that by having conversations like this one. So thanks for talking with us. And we wish you much, much success in the future. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, the book is going to come out in March. And I will make sure that both of you all get a free copy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I will, have, yeah, I got you. <laughs> I will be sure to have the babies reading it because it, <laughs> money management is important, you know? It is, it is. And then for them to see somebody else cares besides just, us, the parents, you know. Yeah, then somebody it's real. Then, then it's real. Yeah, and somebody younger. Yes, and you have music. My oldest daughter will love it because she is thoroughly into some jams. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for having me. It was such a blast. I really appreciate it. Yes, well, we enjoyed you. ourselves too. Thank you. All righty. Be safe. Okay. You too. Bye.